Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Doom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Doom. Um, I promised I'd uh, tell a funny story about my uh, first salmon fishing trip. I know yesterday's episode was a little bit of a bummer, and my apologies. <laughs> Sometimes life is a bummer. Um, but this is kind of a funny story. <clears throat> so I have, uh, I've always loved fishing and fly fishing in particular, but usually until, until 20, whatever it was, 2018, I'd only fished for trout and, uh, I had a little place, um, about an hour from home that I would go up with a fly rod and I would just use a dry fly and fish for trout and uh, I'd fish for hours at a time and might catch one or two little fish, but, uh, never anything really to write home about. Uh, just kind of a nice way to spend it, spend an afternoon really. But, uh, this, uh, my dad had gotten a, uh, invitation. He was sick and, um, and I think people knew he was, uh, probably not long for the world. And one of his, uh, former bosses, I guess you would say, uh, had invited us up to a salmon camp that the guy owned to use it, um, for a weekend. And, I mean, it was a huge deal. It's a, it's a beautiful spot. It's almost like a resort kind of thing. And it was a very kind gesture. And so dad had been unwell. He'd just been in the hospital having a procedure done to open up his uh, duodenum so he could continue to eat and live. But he was there was no way he was giving up this trip. So we, uh, we went up to uh, the north of the province and uh, went salmon fishing. Now... Um, I talked yesterday about that trip and, and I did actually successfully catch my first salmon, but I, uh, the trip didn't start out quite the same. So, um, I went, uh, I I've had, uh, salmon flies, um, in my tackle box since I was a kid. And I always figured someday I'll be somewhere where there's salmon fishing and I will hit the water with these flies. (laughs) I like dreamed of it. Uh, always wanted to catch one. And so I had everything planned out in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to use a brown bomber to start. If the sky is dark, I'm going to use a dark fly. I'm going to use a number six, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Just had it like, I had it planned out since I was probably 12 years old. Like what, what tackle I was going to use, what rod I was going to use, what leader, everything else. So when I got there, I was pretty excited. Like, (laughs) I mean, I was, I was worried about dad, you know, everything had this pall of sadness over it because we knew no matter what we were doing, it was like odds were it was the last time he was going to get to do it. Um, but nonetheless, I was really excited to go fishing. <laughs> so, so as soon as we got there, I started assembling my stuff and I was like, well, I can, cause I'm from the same province. I can just go down without a guide. I can fish. Um, so I put my rod together and, um, I put my, uh, strung my leader up through the, you know, through the, um, eyes of the rod brought it back down and it was a little bit overcast. So I said, I'll use my brown bug and I started tying it on. I got it tied on pretty good. And, um, just then, um, a truck pulled in behind me and I turned to see who it was and I dropped the rod and I reached out to grab it. And all I caught was the line, the end of the line. And it slipped through my fingers and, um, the, uh, <laughs> the brown bomber, uh, which I hadn't flattened the hook on yet, or I flattened the barb on yet, embedded itself into my finger, into the pad of my index finger. And I mean, it hurt, but it wasn't like, it, it was not exquisitely painful. It hurt the same as getting any needle, 
But the problem was I could not get it out. No matter what I tried, I could not get the hook out. I tried cutting it out, but I couldn't. That hurt too much. Like to cut my own skin with a knife. I was like, I, I don't think I can do this. Um, I tried like snapping it out and it just pulled my finger. Like it, it was, it was impossible. To, it was embedded and your finger pads are like thick leather. Right. And it was deep. It was embedded right to the, right to the turn of the hook. So, um, I said, Oh my God, I'm going to have to go get this fucking taken out. Uh, there was a little regional hospital about a uh, 45 minute drive away. So, um, dad was sick. He, he had had chemotherapy earlier that week and had his stent just put in. And, uh, so, uh, one of the guests that he had brought up happened to be like my old neighbor who lived across the street from where, where I live now. And I said, uh, Mr. G, is there any way you could drive, you could come with me up to the hospital in case they have to, um, you know, give me anesthesia or whatever. Oh yeah, no problem. No problem. So we drove up together and chatted in the car and stuff, but I was missing, like, I was really worried it was going to take too long and I'd miss the, uh, miss the evening's fish. Cause dad, his instruction was, I know I'm not here for long. I just want to see you catch a salmon before I die. <laughs> he knew, he knew how into fishing I was. And, uh, and so I was like, I can't miss my chance here. Like I, I gotta get this taken care of. So we went up and we registered and emerged and there were, I mean, there were like really sick people, you know, as, as there always are, but it was busy. And I thought, Oh my God, I can't, uh, I can't wait for like six hours to get this thing taken out. It seems so stupid. Um, so finally I just pulled on it <laughs> really hard and it popped out and immediately it must have embedded in a vein immediately just bitter better bitter better but all the blood just started running out of my hand in front of all these people in the emerge and it like was i was leaving a trail and i said it's out it's out mr g let's get out of here <laughs> so i told them at the desk i said i got it out we're all good uh well you need a tetanus no forget it don't worry about that <laughs> so we drove back in time to fish but um yeah, so I guess the first thing I caught on my uh, on my salmon fly was a 250-pounder. Uh, it's a pretty good story. is actually a story of my father's but unfortunately he's not around to tell it so uh it has an interesting twist at the end it's just a short story um dad was a uh, engineer by trade and he was friends with a lot of people he was a very nice man he was a gentleman he never got angry he was very slow to anger very quick wit people really enjoyed his company so uh, when a friend of his uh, ended up as the Minister of Health in our province, um, he he needed an efficiency expert to find ways of saving money without um, losing personnel, you know, like to do it humanely. And, and uh, Dad was uh, the man for the job. And so Dad happily accepted the job. They didn't know each other super well at the time, but they kind of got to know each other 
as dad was working there uh, a little bit better and uh, and they became quite good friends anyway um, dad was uh, uh, working for this fella and uh, the guy had a beautiful little fishing camp up on the Miramichi River and uh, he invited dad to go up fishing and so they went up and they were having a ball of a weekend they were um, you know not just salmon fishing, but they were, they had a clay thrower and they were shooting clays and, um, you know, they'd have barbecues and they'd stay up late drinking and, you know, all the stuff that, all the stuff that people like doing when guys get together, you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, so they were having a wonderful time. Uh, but, um, but, uh, dad, uh, didn't know really how to fish the area. So they had a guide and the guide took dad with him in a canoe to kind of show him, you know, a few spots to fish and that kind of thing. And while they were out fishing, uh, they heard this big crack from across the river. And then they heard this little voice saying, Oh God, help. Oh no. (laughs) So they reeled in and they got in their canoe and they went across the river and there was a guy who was about 500 or 600 pounds. Who had stepped uh, down, you know, um, the Miramichi, the riverbed is all rocks. And every once in a while, you'll get like a hole between the rocks. And this poor fella had stepped down into one of these holes and in his waders and he'd fallen. And unfortunately, he was so big that his leg didn't, you know, the bottom part of his leg didn't shift with the top part of his leg when he fell. And he had a compound fracture with the bone coming right up through the waders. And, uh, and dad had a bad back and a bad knee. And, uh, and, uh, so they had, they had to come up with some way of getting this guy into the canoe to get him up the river to get him help. So what they ended up doing is dad created some sort of like engineering pulley system, uh, with the anchor rope for the canoe and got it wrapped around this fella enough that they could at least pull him out of the mud hole. And he said, look, if we put him in the canoe, Pat, he's going, (laughs) he's never getting back out. We'll need an, and the ambulance, even paramedics aren't going to be able to get this guy out. What we're going to have to do is balance him across the front of the canoe. (laughs) Like, like in a reverse sort of crab position. And then we'll take him back up river and uh maybe somebody can to where there's a staircase and maybe the paramedics can get him up the stairs that way so um so they got this guy on the front of the canoe and even with the two of them and dad was not a small guy he was he was about a little bit smaller than me maybe 240 pounds but even with the two of them in the back of the canoe uh it was so far down in the front that just the tip of the motor of the propeller was getting any water to uh to propel them back up the river nonetheless they did manage to get this poor guy back up to a staircase where they called an ambulance and got him taken care of but uh pat still talks very fondly about dad rescuing the 600 pound fisherman with the bone sticking out of his leg to tell you the twist at the end of the story the twist is that um the fellow who dad had been invited fishing by 
Um, a few years later, found he wasn't fishing much anymore. This was after dad passed away. And uh, he convinced the timeshare owners to sell the camp. And at the time, I had just sold my fishing camp. Um, and even though it was beyond what I could afford, I ended up buying that one. So <laughs> whenever I go around that uh, corner in the canoe, I can think of my dad uh, rescuing the 500-pound man. fishing caper for your earballs on today's uh, podcast. This one is, uh, these are all loosely medically related, right? It's not like, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really telling the story of how we debrided the wounds or anything like that. I wasn't even there for the last one, but, um, but I was there for this one and this was quite inventive. Um, and, uh, one of the first times I've ever actually seen it done. I was trout fishing with my friend, Nick, um, and we were out on uh, a little local river, the Hammond River, and uh, it started out as a beautiful day. And Nick was really teaching me. I had fly fished um, as a kid and then started getting back into it, but I wasn't, I didn't have a very long cast. And Nick had a beautiful cast, so he was kind of teaching me his cast. And, uh, and as we were doing this with a ton of line out, um, the wind started really picking up and that makes fishing a, a lot harder. I always wear a hat with a brim because I've caught myself on the side of the head a few times and I've hit, I always wear glasses and I can't tell you how many times I've hit my sunglasses with a fishing fly in the wind. But Nick, um, Nick didn't wear any protective stuff. He, he wore glasses, but not nothing else. And, um, and so he was fishing and he probably had 80 feet of line out on a little trout rod um, and wouldn't you know he snapped himself in the temple with the fly and just buried it <laughs> like buried it into the well into the skin but into the skin and beyond um, so he couldn't get it out and he said can you have a look at this and I was a I think I was a med, med school student but I hadn't got much further than that and uh and so I felt, and the fucking fly was embedded in, like, through his masseter muscle into, I'm pretty sure, into periosteum. Like, it was just solidly in. And uh, and I worked it I worked it back a little bit, but it was really hurting. He said it was giving him a headache. And I was like, man, there's, like, temporal arteries and stuff in there. I don't know, Nick. Maybe we, maybe we should uh, get it taken out by somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> so... We drove, we packed up our stuff. We drove back to Nick's house and his dad, Mr. G was home. He's actually the guy who drove me to the Campbellton hospital in the first story. Um, anyway, uh, Mr. G was, uh, he was home and we were telling him the story and he looked at me and he said, you don't know how to get these out. I said, no. I said, I, I know there's like a trip trick where you can tie a line around it and then snap it out. But I, I I've never seen it done said, no, no, this, that's not going to work here. But where you've got it wiggled off the bone, all we need to do is twist it and push it through. Um, 
I said, Ooh, push it through. Cause all the, all the hackle on the fly is pointed, you know, in a different direction. So if you pulled it through backwards, it would really, um, I was worried it would like leave hackle in the wound. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, we can trim off as much of the hackle as we can, but it's like, it was embedded right up to the hackle. And, uh, and he said, no, 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 you'll, you'll see what I mean in a second. Go get me my tin snips. <laughs> so, so what you do is, um, you take the fly, you push it through like you're doing a, a piercing. So you kind of angle it back until, until the, um, the hook is sort of able you push it back as much as you can so the hook can move forward without hitting bone and then you loop it forward just until the barb is at pushing on the skin it makes like a dent on the skin then you use your um you know whatever you have tweezers or whatever to push the skin down around it and kind of it kind of gives you like a piercing uh then you use your tin snips and cut off the barb and the tip of the hook and then it just backs out there's no barb um, so anyway, Mr. G was the first one to show me that trick. I've used it a couple times since. And, uh, yeah, for any of you fishermen out there, a pretty good trick. Well, listen, uh, I think that's it. Um, you guys stay healthy, stay classy. Uh, hit that five star like button. If you, you know, five, five stars would be great. <laughs> Maybe share the podcast with a friend. It seems to have kind of stopped finding new people to listen to it. And that could very well be a reflection of the fact that A, it's not about the comic book character, Dr. Doom, and B, (laughs) it's not a very good podcast. But hey, all the stories are there for posterity. And it gave me an excuse to get this wicked new microphone. All right, see you next time.